Hey there everyone, wherever you're listening to this from or watching this message from, I hope that life is treating you really great right now. We here at Liverpool One Church, we've started a brand new series called 2020 Vision. And I guess that over the duration of three to four weeks, we're asking three really specific questions because practically this can really pay dividends in our life if we can actually figure out the answers to these. Firstly, we wanna know how do you actually read the Bible? What does that actually look like? Secondly, how do we pray to God? Because I get it, we've all got our different and varied ideas about how we should pray, but what does Jesus say about that? I mean, is he not the one that we should go to to try and understand exactly how we're intentionally supposed to relate to the Father? And then thirdly and finally, we're asking the question, how to be a Christian? Meaning, what does it look like to be a Christian in your day in, day out life? Not only when you're in church, but when you're in the workplace too. So kick back and relax and enjoy this current series of talks. We are currently in part two of our current series, 2020 Vision. And I just hope that this year has started out just brilliantly well for you. I hope that no matter what season of life you've gone back into, whether it be work, education or otherwise, I just really hope that you've had a great couple of weeks just getting back into the swing of things. Emma last week kicked off part one of 2020 Vision because we understand that sometimes it's really difficult to kind of clearly see the way ahead in life. Especially when you think about all of our faith life and many of us in this auditorium would say, hey, we follow Jesus and that means that we're a Christian. Sometimes it can be really hard to see a way forward clearly with the issues that actually are really fundamental to our faith. Sometimes it's really difficult to do what should be most simplistic really well and effectively. That's why last week when we kicked off, Emma started to speak to us about building a devotional life that would see you read the Bible because when you do that, it can revolutionize and change the way that you actually have a relationship with God. And today is going to be a little bit similar as we continue this theme of being able to better see better what's in front of us in relation to our devotional life. We're going to be talking about spending time with God because if we're honest, that can just sound a little weird. It can sound a little bit awkward. It's not always the easiest of things to know how to do. And then when you try and do it, what are you supposed to do when you're doing the doing? And it just gets confused and then it feels like, man, what am I supposed to be doing when I'm allegedly spending time with God? So we're going to be talking about this issue of just spending time with God, especially as far as prayer is concerned. Now, if you're anything like me, I bet you that you can't really remember the first couple of prayers that you've prayed. I bet that maybe if you do, maybe it's the first one, but chances are you don't remember a great deal about the first three, four, or five prayers that you've prayed, or where you were, and what you said, and how that whole thing went for you. And I'm exactly the same. I can remember the first time that I prayed, but outside of that, I don't really have a great recollection. But I do remember one of the first times that I was ever asked to pray for somebody else. And we had started this church, and what you guys kind of see now is just not where this thing started from. I mean, sometimes I look back and I'm thinking, man, I can't believe that I get to do this with all of you incredible people, not just here at the six, but at the 11 as well, because honestly, what you see right now is just not where things started for us. I mean, we started with just like 10 friends just sat, sat in a living room, and we would kind of be praying and asking that maybe God would one day 
find something for us to do to try and help reach people that didn't know him. And out of that prayer in a living room came all that you now know and see as Liverpool One Church. But it didn't start like this. And we felt at the time that like, well, if we were going to be a real church, it meant that we would have to have like public meetings. So we'd have to hire a venue, hire a space, and we'd have to hold some kind of a service. And honestly, it was a little bit crazy because we would hire this venue in town and there would be like, there's probably more people on the front row tonight than there was in church on those first couple of experiences. It was a little bit weird and we set up a band and how anybody came, I do not know. I mean, if you've ever doubted the existence of God, you only need to look at the journey of this church because all this would not have happened because of us. I promise you that. So there must be a God. But talking about prayer... I remember the first time that I was ever asked to pray for somebody, and it was at one of these public meetings. It got towards the end of the meeting, and a guy had just walked in, I don't know where from, or whether he'd received an invitation, and he came up to me and he said, hey, he said, hey, pastor, uh, can you pray for me? I was like, absolutely, yes, I would be honored to pray for you. I didn't tell him, but I was like, you're the first person ever to ask me to pray for you. Yes, I will pray for you. And I was like, what are we going to pray for you about? And he was like, well, I want you to pray for my hearing. And I was like, absolutely, yes. And I said to him, I want you to know that I am a man of faith. I want you to know that I believe in the holy scriptures of God that recount countless occurrences where Jesus walked from town to town, from village to village, and everywhere he went, He would always be healing some blind guy, healing some deaf guy, raising some dead guy from the back to life again. I was like, look, I believe in all of that, so let's pray because I I am with you. I'm going to stand in full faith that we're going to see a miracle. So I just like, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, okay, I'm going to put my hands on your ears because that's what you're supposed to do, right? So I just started to pray that God, that you would just help this man, that you would just bring restoration to his hearing, that God, no matter what needs to be done, I just pray that you would do it, that you would just cause a miracle to happen, that you would just touch him supernaturally. And um, you know those moments, if you've ever prayed for anybody, maybe, maybe it's only me that's done this, but kind of like you scrunch your eyes really tight and then you open one of them just to have a look around the room, just to kind of see how everybody else is buying into your prayer. Well, I kind of did that a little bit with this guy. I kind of gave it the half eye look just to kind of see how he was responding with me holding his ears asking for God to heal him. And honestly, he was stood there and his eyes were wide open. He was looking at me like that. And I kind of like started to slow down my prayer because I figured that something was wrong. And I said, like, is, is everything okay? And he goes, no, pastor, I want you to pray for my hearing. And I'm like, yeah, I, I know. And I believe in God being a miracle working God. Goes, no, pastor, I want you to pray for my hearing. I'm in court on Tuesday because I robbed the spa. And I was like, oh no, this is going totally wrong, okay? And that for me is like, that's just one of my many awkward prayer moments. But if we're honest, prayer can kind of be awkward for us all. It can just be complicated. It can feel a little bit complex. It's like, what am I even doing here? And I think that we're all the same in this. There are many things that that we've all got in our upbringing as children, as teenagers, as young people that we've kind of carried into our adult life. You know, you could think of the prayers that you were taught to pray at mealtime. You could think of the prayers that you were taught to pray when you were in school. I went to school and in the assembly every single day, we would always pray two prayers. We would pray at the start of the assembly and then at the end of the assembly, every single one of us would stay together collectively the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. And we would do this thing and recount it every single day. 
I remember in year five, I had a teacher called Miss Reynolds, and she made us pray this prayer while stood behind our chairs before we left school every single afternoon. Lord, keep us safe this night and secure us from all our fears. May angels guard us while we sleep till morning light appears. And there was just such a long period of time in my life where I thought that that's what prayer was. And maybe you're the same. That kind of like when you pray to God, it's more about just reciting to him the prayers that maybe you've learned or picked up, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, whatever it is, that you just kind of pray out to God because that's what you think that prayer is all about. Maybe you've been taught by a parent about a prayer to say at bedtime. Maybe you've been given a prayer book and you're like, that's the way that you pray. You pray by reading a prayer out of a prayer book. Or maybe if you're anything like me, your prayers consist of very similar things. In the main, it's a list of requests from you to God. You're like, God, will you bless me? Will you protect me? Will you keep me? Will you give me good stuff? Will you give me the wife? Will you give me the job? Will you get me the car? God, will you do and get and give all of this stuff to me? And many of us, we kind of get confused with this because we don't always see what we want to see. And that's the reason why some of you have decided, well, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to spending time with God, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because the bottom line for you is, you're like, no, I quit. I tried that once and it didn't work out particularly well. I asked God for something and he didn't give it to me. So now I quit. I'm out. I'm just not doing it anymore. And the reason for that is because you see God like a vending machine. It's like you've offered up a prayer to him, and what you really want is D3, the galaxy caramel, but what God gives you is a picnic bar out of A1, and you're like, no, that is rubbish. I am so disappointed with the picnic bar, because every one of us knows that the picnic bar is made up of all the rubbish that falls on the floor in the chocolate factory at the end of the night that they kind of said, what should we do with this? I know what we'll do. We'll wrap it in a colorful branding label, and we'll sell it as a picnic bar. Nobody wants the picnic bar. So some of us just say, we feel like that's what you've been giving me, God. So I quit. I'm out. I'm not going to pray anymore. Some of you, you haven't gone as far as saying that you quit. You're not saying I'm never praying to you, but you do it almost reluctantly because you don't see the point. You're like, why should I pray to God? Because you've got a sad, sorry story to tell, as many of us all have too, and you're just like, this just doesn't make sense to you. God doesn't give me what I want, but you won't quit praying. Why? Because you're too frightened to stop, because you think if you stop praying and asking for God to protect you, to bless you, to keep you, then something bad might happen, so you can't quit. You can't keep doing it because you don't really get it, and you feel kind of trapped in the whole thing. You know, every single one of us has got an experience that makes us feel like prayer can often not make sense. Maybe you've prayed for the uncle who got a diagnosis and it felt so unfair because he's a really great guy. He's a good guy. And the more you prayed for him, what frustrated you the most was the fact that it seemed as though his whole and entire situation got worse. Maybe even a loved one died and they got sick and you were just like, this just doesn't make sense to me. Why would God allow that to happen? God, you must know that my uncle was a great guy. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And we get confused when it comes to how we actually see what prayer is and can be in our life. It's almost like our vision about spending time with God just gets completely clouded and confused and complicated. So what do we do? Well, we start to just see prayer like a bit of a good luck charm. Kind of like, you know, it works sometimes, it doesn't work most of the time. Sometimes you get a yes, sometimes you get a no, sometimes you get a maybe, sometimes you get nothing. It's confusing because it just seems really hit and miss. It's like, how come one family 
can say a prayer for their child to be accepted in their preferable school, and you can say a prayer for another family about their child being accepted into their most desirable school, and one gets it and one doesn't. And you're just like, this is so frustrating. I mean, like, how come it worked then and it didn't work now? How come it worked for him, but it didn't work for her? How come, everybody knows this annoying guy, right? How come there's always someone that you know and they're just like, man, every time I go to Q Park, I just pray to God and say, will you just find me a car parking space so I don't have to travel all the way down to level four, but, and miraculously, God always gives me a car parking space. And at the same time, you wanted to kind of go, wow, isn't that amazing? God got you a car parking space. And then the other part of you wants to really punch them in the face because you've got a friend who actually is really going through something. Maybe there's a single mum in your world that's got a sick daughter in hospital and you're like, you're going, God answers your prayers over there by giving you a car parking space, but God won't make well this daughter of a really awesome family. Like this just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And then of course, there's the added problem when it comes to prayer and having a devotional life. And that's because we are Christians and we are part of a church. And sometimes we say dumb stuff to each other. So sometimes, maybe if you're anything like me, I've had this, maybe you've experienced this too, where you've been praying for something or believing for something from God to do in your life and you share it with someone and then they say to you, hmm, maybe the reason why God's not doing that for you is because you haven't got enough faith. And you're kind of like, oh man, you think I haven't got enough faith? And they're like, well, maybe you just haven't got enough faith. Maybe that's why God's not answering your prayers. And then inwardly, you get so overwhelmed and frustrated because you're like, oh, the only thing I've got to offer God is my faith. And I don't know how to show him more faith than I've got. I'd love to if I knew how, but it just doesn't seem to make sense to me. And yet what's really funny is Jesus really messed that up. Because he spoke about that issue too when he said, look, by the way, just so you know, on the faith thing, just so you all know exactly how this works, he was like, you only need faith the size of a mustard seed and it can do incredible things. So Jesus completely ruined that argument, but if you're like me, you get discouraged when people say to you, well, maybe God's not answering your prayers because you haven't got enough faith. But what if... None of this is the actual point in prayer. You know the way in which we go to God with all of our asks and our lists of requests and sometimes demands and all of our hope lists? What if that is not what prayer is about? What if we were to discover that prayer is not about you getting stuff from God? What if we've got it wrong? What if the reason why prayer feels so hit and miss, so random, so disconnected, so complicated, so complex, is because we're making it about something that God never made it about at all. We're making it about something that it was never designed to be. What if there's a bigger picture at work? What if there's a bigger plan, a bigger reason, a bigger purpose for you to spend time with God in prayer? I find it really tough talking about prayer because I kind of think that I know everything about it. I kind of think that, look, I know what prayer is. Prayer is just talking to God, right? It's just offloading whatever's on your heart and it's asking him for all the stuff that maybe you haven't got yet in your life. I know about prayer. You can pray to God anywhere, anytime. You can pray on the go. You can just pray doing this, doing that. So long as you're talking to God, 
It's a really good and positive thing. That's the bottom line of what prayer should be. But what's really frustrating is that whilst I believe there are times that you truly can pray to God on the go, you've got to understand that if we really want to learn how to effectively pray and spend time with God, we should probably go and listen and look to the words of what Jesus said and spoke about when we consider prayer. But the crazy thing about this is I think you are going to be shocked by what we find that Jesus teaches on prayer. I think that you are going to be so surprised by what Jesus speaks about when it comes to spending time with him. Because what Jesus does, who, by the way, is the only person to have ever engaged in a conversation with a group of people and said, hey, listen, if you want to know how to spend time with God effectively, hey, if you want to know how to really communicate with God, our Father in heaven, in a way that is real and just feels authentic, then I'm going to show you how to do it. And yet what Jesus says about prayer is basically this, what's important to God isn't important to you. And what's important to you doesn't even register on God's radar. Maybe we're getting this thing wrong. So, in just a moment, we're going to go to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And it's quite a famous passage of Scripture because towards the end of the chapter, Jesus starts to speak specifically about prayer. And he starts to talk about it in what's commonly known to each and every one of us as the Lord's Prayer. Now, what I would say tonight is not what I say every single week, but honestly, if you are serious about starting 2020 just differently than before, I promise you it's not going to take like one seismic event in your life, but rather just good habit stacking, just putting good plans and good processes in your life. And if you've made a decision at the start of this year that you're kind of like, I just want to have a closer relationship with God our Father, then what I would strongly encourage you to do is not only be in church today and make a load of notes, but you've got to come and be in church next Sunday because we're going to do the second half of what's really required. I'm going to set this whole thing up, but next week we're going to talk about what Jesus says specifically in the Lord's Prayer. And again, you do not want to miss that because it really can revolutionize the way that you connect with God. But in Matthew 6, he starts to set the conversation up. And this is what he says in verse 5. He says this, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, and to be seen by others. In other words, what Jesus starts out by saying is that what's important to God is often completely missed by you and I. He starts to say this, if you're really serious and intent about getting this prayer thing right, you've got to know that location is vastly important. Jesus starts this whole thing out and he's like, look, the place at which you spend time with God, it really does matter. And that's kind of funny to me because my natural wiring is not to consider that. My natural wiring is more likely to say, hey, listen, it's absolutely cool. You can put your worship music on in the shower and you can just pray to God in the shower before you're going out to work and doing your thing. That's absolutely fine. You can just pray as you go. If you're a mom and you're preparing the tea for the kids and you're doing the washing up and whatnot, you can just pray to God in those moments. That's absolutely fine. Or if you're traveling into work and you're driving at 69 miles an hour on the M62 because you're late for work and at the same time you're putting on your makeup and that's just the boys. But if you're doing that, you can pray to God at the same time. That's cool. That's completely fine. Some of you will be like, well, um, 
I like to pray when I'm in the car and I'm traveling to school. And I pray prayers like this. Lord, please don't let there be a test today. Please don't let there be a test today. Please do not let there be a test today. Or if you're anything like me, you probably pray prayers like I used to, which went, Lord, please let that teacher that I owe homework to be sick or be off today. Now, I'm not too sure how accurate the theology is behind that. God might have issue with it, but that's what I would used to pray. And I would be happy to say that's perfectly acceptable. You just pray on the go. Maybe it's okay for you to just pray in the waiting room whilst you're waiting to find out whether you've been accepted for the job or whilst you're waiting to sign on the line for a new sales contract, you could just pray to God there and then, Lord, give me the job. God, give me the contract. God, give me this increase in money. And if you do that, I'm going to serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. Be a missionary to Africa. I'm doing whatever you want if you just get me this job. And we pray these prayers all of the time, just kind of on the go, praying as we go. Or maybe you're the young person and after a night out, you're traveling home in the Uber and you're like praying, God, please do not let my mum and dad be awake. Please do not let them be awake. Or you pray prayers like, Lord, could you just remind me, is it step number four or seven on the staircase that creaks really loudly and is likely to wake the whole household up? Because I don't want to do that. and I could really use a helping hand right now to remind myself about which one that is. But what we think actually is not important at all Jesus is saying this is incredibly important. What Jesus is saying is this. There is a proper and an improper place to play. Pray, not play, pray. <laughs> and he goes on. For they love to stand, praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So now he starts to describe what he has a problem with with the way in which many people like to pray. He's saying for many people, to be seen to be praying in very public places might get them the accolades of man, but it means nothing to God. He was saying this, their only intention to pray when they turn up at the synagogue or at the church, they would like to be on a platform or stood on a chair or on a street corner where they can pray loudly using many words. He was saying their only intention to pray like that is so that they get the attention of those that are around them. And what Jesus was kind of saying was this, um, just so you know, when everybody else is looking at that guy or that girl whilst they're praying their prayer and they're like this, wow, isn't this incredible? Aren't their words just beautiful? Aren't they so holy? Aren't they so righteous? Aren't their just scriptural interpretations just absolutely fantastic? God's surely going to answer their prayer. Jesus was like, just so you know, for those people that consider the place where they play, pray <laughs> more than any other thing, he was like, they've got their full reward right there. It's like, well done. There you go. There's your reward. You get the clap of a hand from everybody around you that you've been able to impress with your religious intelligence. Well done you. Way to go you. And now Jesus says, don't be like that. No, no, that's not how you want to pray. He goes on and he says, but when you pray, go into your room, and close the door. Hang on a minute, Jesus. Uh, about that, go into your room, close the door, kind of make it private and remove all the distractions thing. Uh, isn't it okay for me to pray on the go whilst I'm traveling into work? That's cool, right? And Jesus was like, well, I'm going to tell you how to pray and that's not what I'm saying. And what we do is, yeah, but the thing is, is uh, my life's busy, right? And you know what my schedule's like and you know that I travel and you know that we've got kids and we've got a busy thing and da-da-da-da-da-da. That's okay, right? And Jesus was like, no. 
If you want to have a successful devotional life where you intentionally spend time with God and it feels real and authentic, that's not going to work out. And we say this, and these people who are listening to Jesus at this time would have been saying very similar things for their contact, context. That have been saying, yeah, but the thing is, Jesus, it's cool though, isn't it, right? If I just pray to you whilst I'm on the bus into work or whilst I'm on the train into work and I can count the stops, know exactly where I am, and that's kind of cool with you. I can just pray as you go, right? And Jesus was like, well, no. I'm telling you how to pray. And what Jesus was saying was this. When you pray, location comes into play. When you pray, you've got to get on your own. Find your own room or find your own space out in the open, your own bench, your own place, your own spot. But you've got to find somewhere, a place that you can connect with heaven where God does not have to share you with Netflix, your mobile device, your phone ringing, the doorbell ringing, or any other distractions. He was saying you've got to start by going to a specific place, a room and closing the door, shutting and removing out of your life every distraction. Yeah, but the thing is, Jesus, like, isn't God everywhere? Isn't he omnipotent, omnipresent, so it's going to be cool for me, right? And Jesus was like, well, no. If you want to know how to pray, it starts when you get into a room, close the door, and you remove all of the distractions. For those of you who are married or even in a relationship, maybe you would be able to relate to this because I know that we sure can. There are many times in, in, in my married life where I think that I understand that I see things very differently to Emma, and Emma sees things differently to me. And there have been many occasions where I kind of have this view of my marriage, and it's kind of like this. Um, when we got married and we walked down the aisle, or you walked down the aisle, and we said at the altar, I do, my kind of approach to married life is, I'll let you know if anything changes. Kind of like, what we did then, everything's all good. Whereas Emma's a little bit different, and she will often, and rightfully so, because she's amazing, she'll come to me and she'll say, hey, listen, can we just talk? Because the bottom line is, I know that we're talking all of the time. I know that we're communicating all of the time about the kids and about the meetings and about travel. And I guess that we've got the added sort of burden or pressure of the fact that we live together, sleep together, eat together, but we work together as well. And she's like, I know that there's no problem. I know that there's no kind of big major drama or issue. And we're talking loads about all the stuff, but I just don't feel close to you. Like, I feel like we are two feet apart and yet a million miles away from each other. And yet what's real crazy is it only takes sometimes just a couple of hours traveling in a car to wherever or doing something that you don't ordinarily do, going to someplace different, changing your routine. It only takes maybe not a flight, but just traveling together somewhere for us. And all of a sudden you get to converse, not about the, can you pick him up? Can you pay that bill? Can you make sure that you've got content for that? Can you make sure that we're, rather than just all the do's and the don'ts, she's kind of saying to me, look, if we can just connect and feel like we're in intimate on a conversational level, it just makes the whole thing work in our marriage so much better. And maybe you felt like that too. I think that that right there is a mirror of what God wants with you when he says, I want you to pray to me by coming into a room and closing the door and removing all of distractions. 
And Jesus, he goes on and he says this, and pray to your father who is unseen. And can I just go on record and say, I am so happy that Jesus spoke about something that I think we all find incredibly difficult, right? Even he recognizes the fact that we can't see our Father God in heaven, and that causes difficulties when it comes to prayer. I am so thankful that Jesus acknowledges that. That makes me feel this is just brilliant. And then he says, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Reward you. It's an idea about how he will repay you back. He will give back to you. He will return to you and your life for the investment of time that you give to him in a room with a closed door where there are zero distractions. Now, what can be frustrating, so I'm going to be honest and give you the disclaimer right now. What we want to interpret that as is that means that God's just going to answer all of our prayers all of the time. But the reality is is that that's not going to happen. Think about it like this. You've prayed prayers in the past, maybe you're even praying them right now, and if God were to give you the answer to your prayers, it would be bad for you. I can remember at 17, having just passed my driving test, and I was adamant. God, I am believing you. I am in full faith that you are just going to give me a Porsche 911. That's going to be awesome, right? But I'm so thankful that God didn't answer my prayer, because if he did, I am convinced I would have killed someone, and if not, myself. And I think that sometimes we've got to understand that the way in which God will reward you might not necessarily come in the form of a prayer being answered in the way that you're hoping or expecting. But Jesus was saying, you've got to know that as you intentionally draw close to the Father in a room with a closed door, with zero distraction, he will see you carving out time and God, our maker and creator in heaven, he will pay you back. He will reward you because you're intentionally spending time with him. Let's move on. Verse 7. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. In other words, Jesus is saying here, what a bunch of people think is that they're going to be taken more seriously by God because of the quality or the quantity of their words. And Jesus was like, absolutely not true. That is absolutely incorrect. If you think that God responds to you because of the quality or the quantity of your words or your ability to quote scripture at him as though he was not the one who actually inspired the very holy scriptures in the first place, he was like, no, no, you don't understand who the father is at all. Verse eight, and Jesus says this, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, if you're anything like me right now, you're probably responding and thinking, well, if God knows what I need before I even ask him, what is the point of me praying? I mean, seriously, like, why the heck am I praying and giving all this time to God if he already knows what I need before I even ask him? If that right there has ever ran through your mind, if you've ever ever thought about that, like, yeah, man, why should I pray? If God, our Father in heaven, already knows everything that we need and everything that we dream of and everything that we hope for, like, what's the point in me praying? I think you're onto something. I think you're onto something that can be incredibly beautiful and life-changing in your world. I think you just might 
be onto something. Because the purpose that God has invited us into a personal relationship with Him is so that our relationship will be marked with intimacy. And intimacy is far more than just a list of requests and asks and demands of God give me, God bless me, God protect me, God provide for me, God give me the wife, give me the husband, give me the job, give me the pay rise. Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, asking God of things and of stuff, you can do that in part, but whatever you do, don't think that that's the main thing. Don't think that that's what it should all be about. Like, it's a part of it, but it's not the entire part of it. So if you ever sit there now and you're kind of like, so God, our Father in heaven, knows what we want before we even ask. And how you're feeling like, well, what's the point in praying? Now you're onto it. Because if your only experience of spending time with God up to this point has been maybe reciting some childhood prayer, or maybe just choosing to pray, although not really expecting anything from it, if your only experience has been to pray to God our Father in such a way that just details all of our needs, requirements, and demands, then I think that you're missing out. Because even Jesus says, sure, you can come with your asks, you can come with your requests, you can come and you can talk about what you're dreaming for, but listen, here's the thing. The main reason why you should get into a room and shut the door and remove all of the distractions out of the way is because in part God wants to have you for himself and not share you with all of the other things that would want to pull you away from that. But it's way more than him being able to deposit all of the yes answers to all of the prayers that you're giving. Jesus was saying, if you would just get into a room, close the door, remove the distractions, it's so, and check this, I just find this incredible. It is so that you can be known by God and know that you are known by Him. So you know when it's crazy on the outside? You can be at perfect peace and calm on the inside. You can be facing some of the most complicated challenges in life, and yet you cannot be robbed of your peace because you feel centered, because you're intimate and close with your Father in heaven. And my prayer for you and for us as a church as we kick off this year is that we would all be committed to make time daily to get in a room, close the door, remove the distractions, spend time with God. You know, I really hope and pray that that message spoke to you and you were able to really get something out of that. If you come to Liverpool One Church, why don't you check out YouTube for more similar content or find us out across all of our social media platforms at Liverpool One Church. Or maybe even if you've only ever watched us online before or maybe even out of town and out of area, why not come and visit us in person? Because we would absolutely love to welcome you to be part of the family right here at Liverpool One Church. Have a great week.